aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we are here to fix your lives. That said, mm. we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Hey. Hey. What's see. up, everyone? The old way of doing it. You know, sometimes we like to keep it keep it traditional. We mix it up in the most boring way. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, listen, uh, welcome new listeners. Welcome back, old listeners. You can tweet at us at StruggleBusPod. Email us at StruggleBusPodcast at gmail.com. Instagram.com slash TheStrugglebusPod. Uh, use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Go on to StrugglebusPodcast.com to find out how you can be a bonus member for as little as $5 a month. Um, and you get bonus this episode's new one posted yesterday. Oh, snap. Yeah. So we have 12 now, mm-hmm. and we get really into it about a lot of things. We sure We'll talk do. about that more in a second. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SBK Huller. And separate group, but free to join, mm-hmm. our secret Facebook group, Struggle Buddies on Facebook. Just email us at strugglebuzzpodcast at gmail.com and say in the subject line you want to join the group. If you have a question, make that a separate email because multitasking, am I right? Hashtag. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a backwards hashtag. I it works. Yeah, we can start sentence. that. Why not? But yeah, um, let us know. You uh, Give us the email address you use to log into Facebook with. We'll get back to you. And if you can't get in for any reason, we say, let us know. Let us know. 50% cannot get in the, the regular way. We find workarounds. But mm-hmm. um, it's a really cool, fun uh, group, safe space to talk about your feelings or post uh, puppy and kitty photos. Mm-hmm. But Sally, if you want to pay $5 mm-hmm. a month and go on our website, again, strugglebuspodcast.com and click on the link to Gumroad, what do they get besides bonus episodes? Catherine, in addition to not just the most recent bonus episode, but an archive of all of our bonus episodes, they get a ticket to ride the struggle bus. It's uh, a little card you can keep in your wallet, under your pillow, uh, anywhere on your person. It looks like the kind of card you might swipe on a city bus. New York City bus. New York City bus. (laughs) Um, And it says, uh, never ride alone. And you can write your name on it if you want to. And it's in... uh, the color is struggle bus yellow and it's just like a fun little membership card and that can be yours for as little as five dollars a month Amazing. and as much as infinity dollars a month priceless yeah. yes and also listen we have a live show coming up wednesday october 25th you can find out about it uh, more on our website get tickets but uh it's gonna be great doors at 6 30 union hall in brooklyn show at seven out by 8 30 mm-hmm. go to bed by nine uh it is ten dollars in advance twelve dollars at the door we recommend you doing the ten dollars in advance and paying the two dollar fee because we sold out last time we sure did and why are we selling out maybe sally what, what? well as we, we drink some more of this coffee we do have a slate of amazing guests Ooh. including and actually limited to the following three people <laughs> uh josh gondelman <gasps> from last week tonight from last week tonight emmy, emmy award-winning emmy award-winning josh gondelman uh, New York Times bestselling author Michael Denzel Smith. Amazing. Author of Invisible Man, Got the Whole World Watching. Great book. And a one Ms. Molly Neffel, co-host of Radio Dispatch, friend of the show, Sex in the City movie, not the sequel, fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be really fun. We're going to... We're going to give advice. We're going to play games. We're going to get loopy, probably. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be great. And if you come to the show live, you can ask a question anonymously on a written uh, piece of paper, mm-hmm. and we will answer it. We sure will. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. If you live within like one and a half to 
a 16 hour drive of New York City, I recommend coming because, as you know, we do shows once every one and a half to two and a half years. Yeah. So it's pretty special. Exactly. We're like Haley's Comet. <gasps> Which Although Haley, like every 70, Yeah, years. I mean, we're slightly more frequent than Haley's sure. Comet. We're the Haley's Comet of live podcast shows. Um, okay, so just like two more quick announcements. Yes, before we get to opening jibber-jabber. Mm-hmm. What are they, Sally? Should okay, we... I'm going to I'm gonna say the first one here because uh, this is kind of a, this is a me thing, folks. Um, here's the deal. Uh, we accidentally, and this was my fault, read an email on the show that someone had actually followed up and asked us to not read um, because they they just decided they wanted to like figure out their own thing like they they just didn't want our advice they wanted to like go fly solo fair enough the thing is I missed the email (laughs) the way that the labor is divided at the struggle bus depot is that I'm in charge of all things email related so um, what happened was this person did something that is completely intuitive, which is that they wrote us an email, uh, mm. like a new email, and and said, please don't read this. Here's the thing. I don't really look at emails until it's time to think about talking about them on the show unless the subject line says something like, time sensitive, please read. Um, the exception is like, if you thread the conversation, so if you write us an email and you ask us a question and then you reply in that thread and you say, oh, also, here's another detail I forgot to say. Uh-huh. Like, I will see it. Or if you write back in that thread and you say, actually, don't read this, I will see that. But if it's a new thread, I won't see it. Uh, and I, I would like to make this pledge to you all, the wonderful listeners of The Struggle Bus. I'm going to get better and more attentive about the inbox um, because I have a little bit of a fly-by-night strategy. And I want to just really, like, be better about it. Having said that, please meet me halfway. And <laughs> if you if you if you have like an important request, and like I we really don't want to accidentally do something you don't want us to do. It's like very important to us that we respect your wishes around like how we read stuff, when we read stuff. So if you have a really important request related to an email you've sent us, just reply in that same thread so that we definitely see it. Um, that's just like an extra safety measure because. I, I pledge to you now, I'm going to be much more like microscopically focused on the inbox because yeah. I don't want these mistakes to happen. Um, this person was like totally like I apologized and this person was very, very understanding and cool about it. I still feel bad about it. I'm sorry, but we're going to move on. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be better about the inbox and you guys can help me out with subject lines in all caps and threading your conversations. And that is my announcement well uh, it's not totally moving on yet because unfortunately that was the one episode we decided to blue sky it and use their real name home address Mm -hmm. and telephone number so real sorry yeah no um and the easter egg was their uh social security number (laughs) (laughs) yeah no thank you for saying that um it's not that you don't and we don't spend a lot of time on this show because we we really care about it but it's sometimes hard to you know you can miss emails sometimes that's that is the thing and i i don't want to i don't want what i just said to make it sound like i'm like not paying any attention and and like I spend three minutes on it when we're preparing for the show because it's not that it's just that there's a lot of different emails coming in and a lot of different tasks associated with the show but Mm. it's not an excuse you guys exactly well also we've always taken the show seriously and we will continue to do so um we are going to try out our new sponsor next week just so you know so we're going to see if it's a fit for us a fit for them and a fit for you so don't be 
surprised if you hear us all of a sudden talking about a space. Mm-hmm. Talk space. A talk space. That's my 10 second. That was awesome. Yeah. But <laughs> they um, now owe us a million dollars for just saying that. They, they, they uh, talked to us and we looked into what they're doing and we're kind of interested in what they do. And so we'll give it a try and, mm-hmm. uh, you know. It'll be fun. We'll see how it goes. It, it seems like what they're doing uh, gels with what we're trying to do. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. Okay. So, Catherine. Yes. Let's jibber jabber. Oh, yay. Um, do you want to go first? I guess. You had an exciting night. Uh, I did, actually. Yeah. So I was, I am a little bit tired, but it was worth it. Because last night, uh, the theater company I just joined this year uh, in the show I am in, The Infinite Wrench, with the New York Neo Futurists, we were nominated for a New York Innovative Theater Award. And by gosh, we won. <gasps> we won. And I've, I've been to award ceremonies and I've won things for certain things. But this is the first one where, first of all, I wanted to dress up, but I couldn't because I was in the city doing other things. And it just didn't make sense to run home because the trains were being really weird. And I tried so to find something at H&M that I could just maybe throw on. I love dressing up. I did not dress up. And then mm-hmm. we won. And it was also the first time I've, you know, been on the stage. I didn't speak because I don't, you know, it was not my place. I'm not a longtime member. Um, but then we went backstage and they herded us to a press room, like Ooh. in like real award things and we did like an hour of press backstage with like a handler it was really that's so fun cool. that's and, so profesh and yet uh, there I was in my uh, purple tank top because I did not dress up not out of lack of respect yeah but because I just didn't have time to run home and I wanted to be on time totally well so, purple is a dressy color if, if you look at it from like the top up it looks like maybe there's a skirt or nice. like fancy <laughs> slacks or something but uh, oh no no just my jeans who, who are they to know who are they to know it's like news anchors I know they're wearing like a suit jacket and a tie but probably no pants oh Always. Right? Yeah. Uh, Boxers. But anyway, it's really cool. Again, I I have feelings about award ceremonies. Like, we're all winners for doing the thing we love to do. It's nice to be recognized for your work. And I'm really proud of the work that we do. So, congrats. Huge congrats. That's really cool. Yeah, it was real fun. So, and also, uh, I know about your jibber jabber, but I was, as you were writing it in, I was writing it in. (gasps) Not because I saw you write it in, because, Sally, you were on see something, say something. I was. One of our favorite podcasts. Mm -hmm. Can I throw it to you? Because that's incredible. Yes. Um, Okay, so I was a guest on See Something, Say Something, which is a BuzzFeed podcast. And they needed someone, they were doing an episode about cultural appropriation of ghee, which is clarified butter, which has been used in South Asian cooking for like thousands of years and also Ayurvedic medicine. But lately, um, it's been this thing that people who are really health and fitness obsessed, who are white, Americans uh, have gotten really into um, and they have all these claims about what it does for you. And uh, so they asked me to come on and just like talk about that because I'm a health editor. And And also you're so funny and smart. I learned a lot and also laughed. I'm so glad. That's cool. It was definitely different for me because usually when I'm on a mic, uh, I feel like we're either like shooting the shit, you and me, or we're answering emails, which is like a different kind of mm. like knowledge base. Like I had to do a lot of research for this and I wanted to make sure I was, I didn't want to be really shady about people who are obsessed with ghee, but I also wanted to be clear that I do think there's cultural appropriation going on. So I felt like I was, and I wanted to be, I was like talking about fatty acids, which gets really sciencey and I just wanted to make sure I sounded like I knew what the fuck I was talking about um but it, it was really fun and it was cool to be like inside a podcast studio and I mean not that my apartment isn't a podcast studio I was studio. about to say what is wrong with this place <laughs> yeah. we have a fridge we have a fan <laughs> we have everything we have sirens in the background yeah. often but yeah it was really fun so if you guys want to listen um yeah it's the 
last week's episode, See Something, Say Something, the, the episode's called Gee Something, Say Something, which is amazing. I love it. And there were other really awesome guests. Like they did a ghee tasting with some people in the office and there they interviewed like a food historian um, from NYU who just like gave all this really interesting context to like how food gets culturally appropriated and um and and said all these kind of interesting surprising things and the host Ahmed called his aunt and they talked about use of ghee and cooking growing up it was just a really cool like well-rounded episode really fun episode I love that podcast fun. hearing them say like you gotta listen to struggle bus I was like yeah oh yeah yeah that was awesome you I was were like, very clear happening. you were Thank very you. well spoken you were as clear as ghee Holy shit, look at you. Damn. Clarified butter. Clarified butter, you guys. Um, So that is the deal. Thank you for listening, Catherine. So good. So good. Um, What else? I guess that's jibber-jabber, right? I mean, there's more I could talk about, but why? We have so many amazing emails to get to. But what about a thing we did for self-care? Well, Sally, I think we should do that segment right now. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to go first? Okay, I'll I'll go first. Um, I, 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 on Saturday had three different like social occasions like three yeah it was <laughs> Catherine's shaking her shaking head. my head and closing now <laughs> like we hung out with uh or actually maybe it was only two <laughs> I can't remember it felt like a lot um I was totally exhausted one of them was a baby I met a new baby for the first time which was really cool I think I'm the first person in that baby's life to boop it what? I think to boop its nose, you know? Oh. Like I was like boop, you know that boop? Yeah, how old was the baby? Like 11 weeks. So this is like that baby's first boop in life came from me, which I feel like is a really important milestone, which did it laugh will be added to its life collage. Um, Not really. (laughs) It was just sort of it's still at that stage where you can tell its eyes are trying to focus. So I don't think it really experienced the boop shapes and colors as deeply as I did. But anyway, the point is I there was a lot of socializing on Saturday and a lot of errands to run and I was totally exhausted. And so on Sunday I did one thing, which is we recorded the bonus episode. Yes, we sure did. But other than that, I did a little bit of work. (laughs) But other than those two things, I did absolutely nothing and talked to no one. Uh, I just read all day and played some video games with my brother and that was it. And it was like really, really good recuperation from having to, I mean, getting to Mm. (laughs) do all this socializing the day before. So that's what I did. Yeah, I actually slept for 12 hours that night. Because oh. I was feeling not so yeah. hot, and it turns out that I needed to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, good stuff. Yeah, you have late nights in, in your yeah, life. Yeah, when I'm in the show, for yeah. sure. Um, what about you? Well, I, you know, so as you know, the saga of my back and my gyno and all these mm-hmm. things, and doctors can be a handful. But many of my doctors, you know, after the whole experience with the the stuff uh, with my my gynecologist, long story, guys, just go back a couple episodes. Um, I, I am very much appreciating the really great doctors in my life and mm-hmm. the fact that I am able to have health care in these times, which is absolutely totally. ridiculous. And so I'm hashtag blessed. Um, my team of doctors is great. And I did have a tiny setback because I feel like <laughs> this is just right. So my next door neighbor gave us a, a Blu-ray DVD player so I could watch some things being sent away by some people nice. uh, long story but in so doing he very gently put it on my uh, arms and I, I forgot how much uh, cd players weigh yeah and i absolutely pulled something oh god it turns out i have a tiny herniated disc in my neck which is par for the course of the stuff that i'm doing to heal so i spoke to my massage therapist who is really big into like breathing and stretching 
And then she spoke to my back doctor because they're like super best friends and I want to hang out with them all the time. But she finally called me. She goes, I think you should see him just to talk about if you just need a shot for that one thing oh, or, you know, cool. a steroid. And I did go back to him. And, you know, again, luckily I'm covered. And he was able to say, Catherine, you know, you he actually he actually sat there and just looked at me and said, you're taking on a lot right now. Mm. And I was like, no, I know. And he's like, no, but I mean, like. You're so busy. Mm. And I was like, sure, but and he he just <laughs> just made the point of Catherine, just just so you know, I'm recognizing that go easy on yourself. Yeah. I know it wasn't your fault. Then I you know, I'm very careful not to carry too many things, but it caused a little bit of things. So I'm mm. uh, still in recovery. We're not doing a shot. We're just gonna sort of wait it out for a week and stretch and not carry heavy things because I don't want a shot of of steroids. It's not good for you. Right. Um and he doesn't want to do too many. So mm-hmm. we're we're waiting on that. But yeah. It's been a little bit of a slow healing again, mm-hmm. but um, I love that he just from, took one leg. He said, Catherine, you're really, you're just, you're doing a lot. And I was like, yeah. And so doctors, you know, they're, some of them are A-OK. It's, it's kind true. of what I wrote in the doc. It's always cool when you have a doctor who is like as tuned into what you're going through emotionally as what you're going in physically. Yes. You know? Especially because it is related to my emotional health, too. Like when I'm tense, it gets worse. And totally. And literally your body tenses up. And I love that there's doctors who recognize that there's a lot of things with your body. Totally. And, uh, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I've been trying to work on my posture, which as you can see from the way I'm sitting right now, is not working, but I have to like, I have to do that more. Me too. You know, like pull my shoulders. I I do. I I roll and I relax, pull my neck back a little bit and then pull in my abdominals like a dancer and remember like, Hey, try to stay like that. It's so hard. I do it for like five seconds and then I find myself a minute later curled into a ball, like basically on top of my keyboard. I mean, yeah, because <laughs> that's what we're used to. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No shame. Um, okay. So let's uh, read some emails, yeah, shall we? We yeah. have some awesome emails. Okay. Mm. This first one is from Bumbarella. Their choice. That's their name. And you will understand why when we read it. It's an amazing name. I'm really excited about it. Uh, and just like a content note, there's just like a brief mention of assault and adoption. So mm-hmm. I just want to... Nothing in depth, but just mentions. Yeah. Okay. Dear Kate Wait, and Sally. Hold on a second. What? Oh, yeah. What there's, is that? Okay, so there's construction going on, and for some reason, it sounds like a dinging. I think it's like metal on metal, but when the sound like travels here, it sounds like a like a dinging. But it's like a regular beat, and it feels like there's about to be a march. I, I like freaked the fuck out. I thought someone was like marching on us, and Andrea was explaining like what I just explained. And I think she's right because no one's marched on us yet. How did she know? Um, she's smart. I don't know. Or she was making it. She, I think she also just has a list of things to make up when I get nervous that we're at war and she just pulls it out and she's like, it's construction. Is there an app for that? <laughs> there should be. There needs to be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Sorry, but I had the same reaction you did. Like, what is this? Yeah, I know. It's pretty unnerving. You guys, it's a little unnerving. it definitely sounds like someone is starting a war nearby like lord of the flies or something yeah totally right we'd be okay i have all that emergency prep stuff do you have a conch god damn it damn it yeah it's the one thing okay (sighs) let me get back to bumbarella please do please do okay dear kate and sally thank you for the great show you put together you both give such great advice even if the emailer's situations don't correlate to my life i always walk away with something useful to implement in my life down to my question. I took about two years off dating of any kind. What is the best way to get back in the dating pool? A little background. I took time off dating to have a baby placed with a great family for adoption and deal with PTSD, was previously assaulted, and the postpartum depression triggered some underlying problems I finally decided to address. My previous dating experience has been primarily hookup buddy situations, and I have never done any kind of monogamous commitment. Should my first jump back in be a one-night stand? 
or try to form a relationship and wait until I feel comfortable enough to disclose this information before having sex. The last month I have been going on Bumble dates. Uh, (laughs) There we are. mm. But I'm having trouble getting past the first date. This is in part for my own commitment problems and in part because I'm in NYC dating men. Any advice or opinions on this subject would be greatly appreciated. I am finally ready to get back out there, but with a, but with such a long gap, I feel like I'm learning it all over again. Warmest regards, Bumbarella. P.S. <laughs> I agree. I should talk to a therapist. I had one until recently when I took the plunge and moved across the country to follow my dream of becoming a software engineer. Getting a therapist is on my list, and I will hopefully have one soon. I, yeah. Thank you, Bumbarella. Yeah. I really do like this email. Um, there's a... Yeah. Um, first of all, to sort of answer the question, I, I'll never forget, Sally, what you said once. And I, I think about this all the time. I believe it was m- maybe some dating situation you mentioned on the show, I think, where on a second date with someone, you they'd asked you a question and you said something like, can we table that for later? I don't <laughs> yeah. want to talk about this. And I think <laughs> Sorry, about yeah. that often. Yeah. OK. I think about that often because there's times where I think, oh, no, what if I have to tell someone this? And I realize I think back to what you said. You don't ever have to tell anyone anything unless you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no need to explain a thing. So that's going to, in the middle, answer that question of, should I tell them on the first date? That's up to you. As far as, I mean, listen, you, it seems as if you glossed over the fact that you placed a baby for adoption and also you you're, you know, had been assaulted and, and things like that. You've got a lot that just has gone on in your life. So there's nothing wrong with easing back into anything, you know. Um, it sounds like you're doing great and following your dreams, but um, do not do not gloss over for you the fact that, you know, you, you take as much time as you need. There's no should in any situation here. And um, finally, listen, if your hookup buddy thing has worked for you in the past or one night stand, you do you. Like, whatever you need, there's no correct answer. If you find that it's making you feel worse, that's something to investigate. But, you know, sometimes you got to just, do whatever you need to do to get to wherever you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so wait, so the question, um, wait until I feel comfortable enough to disclose this information is the information, the I PTSD so. and the assault or having a baby. Okay. Maybe that's something that people are, you know, gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I agree with what Catherine said. I think there's no like hard and fast rule about when you need to like disclose information. Um, whether it's, um, until I feel comfortable to disclose this information before having sex. Mm. I I mean, I think the the order of operations relationship-wise, I think is really different for different people and in different dating situations. I think like for some people, like like, like sometimes it'll be like the monogamous relationship comes first and then sex and then the disclosing. Sometimes it's the disclosing and then the sex and the relationship or a mix like, you know, or mix those up. So I don't really I think the only thing that really matters about when you disclose important information that you feel makes you vulnerable is that you feel safe with the person you're disclosing the information to. Uh, And I think that depending on the situation and the person, it can be early on or maybe it's later. But I don't think you're really obligated to disclose anything at any certain point. Um, And. As far as like, should you jump back in with a one night stand or form a relationship? It's what the the one thing that I'm not getting from your email is like basically what you want. Mm. I don't know if what you want is to keep having hookup buddy situations or if you want to try one night stands or if you want to pursue something monogamous because you haven't really said. Um, and I think if if you if it's not, if it's not clear to you. Um, 
I mean, if it's clear to you and you just haven't said it in the email, then that's fine. But I would go back to thinking about what you want to do and pursue that route. If mm-hmm. it's not clear to you, I would like do some thinking about what you really want right now. I, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be in hookup buddy situations. There's nothing wrong with wanting one night stands. And there's nothing wrong with trying to with wanting a monogamous commitment. But I, I do think it depends on what you want and what you're ready for. So I would do some thinking about that. And I also think that having done some online dating myself, mm. I do think you can also figure that out through trial and error because you can, you know, try out different things and be like, Ugh, actually this like hookup buddy thing is really tiresome or actually this hookup buddy thing is actually really working out for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can just kind of figure it out as you go. But I don't think you have to have all the answers right now. No, exactly. I mean, I, again, what Sally said and what I think I said earlier, like you do you, you are the only one who knows what's right for you. Um, and you know, if you're having a hard time figuring out what you want, that's a separate topic, which again, helpfully, helpfully, Ooh, I like that helpfully word. <laughs> to discuss in therapy. I don't even know if it's a verb or an, an adjective. I don't know. Um, if you like, you know, you, if you can find a therapist, great, but that is something that I think maybe you start thinking about, like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And you don't got to know the answers either before you do the things. Maybe, you know, find it through trial and error. That's up to you. But, um, there is no set way to do anything. It sounds like you're taking care of yourself and putting yourself first and trying the things. And New York City is a weird place to date people, too, I've, mm-hmm. I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so long as you're taking care of yourself, you'll, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's nothing wrong with sleeping with people versus dating them versus anything. Yeah. And I think, you know, you did mention... that you haven't gotten past the first date and this is in part for my own commitment problems. So it sounds like you, uh, know that there's something about commitment or about going on, you know, second or third dates that is a thing for you. So, I mean, that's probably something to think about too, because I think like if you find yourself wanting to do something, but not able to, I think it's worth like thinking that through. On the other hand, if you're not getting past the first date, but also you don't really care, um, (laughs) like you're not really interested in like kind of a longer term thing, then that's fine. But if you're pegging something as a problem and you know, it's a problem, you probably need to do some work on figuring that out before you can really, um, so before you can solve it and move on. Yeah, and you don't have to be monogamous either. You can go into a date being like, I'm not sure if I feel okay with commitment. Maybe I don't want to have a monogamous relationship. You know, it's something for you to think about because you don't have to do anything. Totes. There's a lot of re- different relationship structures that work for different people. So long as you're honest with your partner, hey, you do you. Mm-hmm. I, I've said that three times now, but I can't that's, I can't describe it better. Yeah, that's uh, because it's the simplest way to say it. Yeah. Um, Thank so you. Bumbarella, Bumbarella. Thanks for writing in. Let us know how everything goes. All right. Second email. And we'll read this. They need a name. Now, you're watching Game of Thrones. Can you toss something out there that might Can I? be a good one? Yeah. How about... Oh, my God. I'm so Don't nervous. Don't say Hodor. I'm so nervous. I get to pick a name from Game of Thrones. <gasps> okay. How about... Um, uh, how about Marjorie? <gasps> Who's that? She... I don't want to spoil anything. Is it so, a dragon? I'm, no, no. Marjorie is a human being. I'm not going to spoil anything uh, because sure. some people still haven't watched it. But um, she was one of my, she is one of my favorite characters. I Did you want to? <laughs> nah, I feel like, <laughs> should I? I mean, it was like season five. It's already in season seven. Right, I feel that uh, Marjorie would be a great name for uh, a dragon. But I picture Marjorie the dragon as being like the sensible one from the Midwest. Yeah. Like, guys, come on now. What <laughs> God, are we doing? I want a dragon named Marjorie. <gasps> right? <laughs> um, yeah, that would be amazing. But when she gets pissed, it's like, it's go time. It's, it's like, all right, <laughs> then. It's go time. You made me, you made me do this, all right? 
That's my Midwestern. Love it. All right. <clears throat> Marjorie. Merge. Hi, Kate and Sally. I've been listening to the podcast for over a year now, and I've taken some guidance from advice you've given to others in the past that helped me work through issues without the need to write in. But lately, it seems like I might need something more me-specific, and maybe it will help other listeners, too. I have a BA in political science, and instead of using it to make even an inkling of difference in the world, I've been working in retail management. I fell into that hole while in college since I had to work full-time. I wasn't able to intern and get more experience besides what I gained at my local community college. Where I lived, there were also limited opportunities to find full-time paid work in my field. I finally couldn't deal with the stress and dissatisfaction of being a manager in retail, so I recently made the big decision to move from a rural southern state to the suburbs outside of Chicago. My boyfriend of several years lived here, and we decided it was time to take the next step in our relationship, moving in together, and I knew I was never going to find work in my field back home. I moved without a job lined up, but I was easily able to find work in retail with all my years of customer service. I even moved up to a full-time to full-time in about a month, but I don't want to do this. I love helping people, but doing it corporate, for-profit-based environment is destroying me. I find that the stresses of customer service and selling have done a number on me emotionally. I graduated in 2014, so I feel like I've missed an important window. I can't seem to figure out how to get work even remotely related to my field. I've done, I've done up a million different resumes and cover letters, and I'm just getting exhausted looking. I really want to work for nonprofits, and I thought I might have a better chance in Chicago. But it seems like you either have to volunteer, have a master's degree, or be able to work part-time. I'm barely getting by working full-time at $13 an hour. I've considered talking to a therapist about ways to cope with the stress and anxiety attacks. Before I moved, I was toying with different anxiety medicines with my family doctor, but I didn't like the fact that she seemed, she kind of seemed to be guessing. I also don't like that I even have this issue. Is it my job or is it me? I imagine a therapist could help me figure that out, but I have retail health insurance, which means high copays and high deductibles. So I'm hesitant to even seek out therapy and maybe medication as an option because I'm already drowning in student loan debt and medical debt from a sports injury. I guess I'm asking for help, but I don't know what kind of help I'm asking for. Any of our sage advice is most appreciated. Marjorie, all my gratitude. P.S. As a repayment for your kindness, I shall offer you my adorable babies. Two cats touching paws. Yeah, they're touching paws. Are they Sistine Chapeling? They might be. Those cats are Sistine Chapeling. Um, Just really quickly, totally unrelated, I want to say the Marjorie spoiler I kind of gave is it's season six, not season five. Don't at me. I know. Don't tweet at me about that. I just want to correct my that I misspoke. Okay. Well done. More importantly. Also, sorry I made all those errors in the uh, reading. I was scrolling down and I saw the kittens and I was it's like, or very cats. distracting. Very distracting. Very distracting. I was like, and then I'm. Oh, yeah. I mean, guys, if you're going to include pictures of your cats, we can't guarantee we're going to read the emails correctly. Listen, Come I on. didn't have to scroll down. <laughs> but as I was scrolling down, I was like, kitties. Yeah. What are you going to do? Not Marjorie. Scroll? Great question. Thank Marjorie, you. this is a great question. So, okay. <laughs> I want to tell you a story about. A one Sally Tamarkin. I have this thing where when I lose something or like when I misplace something, I look for it in the same place repeatedly. Like I, I think of like three or four places it probably is. And I look in them over and over and over and over. And to the point where it's like I've gone down this anxiety spiral where like I think they're somehow going to magically turn up even though 
they haven't in the hour I've spent looking. So I made this rule for myself that I can look in whatever places they are. I think they might be three times and then I have to stop and move on and choose a different strategy. I like where this is going. <laughs> and that I, I thought of that because um, I've been where you are with writing emails. I'm sorry, uh, re- sending resumes, like doing a million different versions and sending a million and mm-hmm. emailing HR and all that stuff. And it's so exhausting to write cover letters and resumes and do it time after time after time. But I think that like much like with me looking in the same place a thousand times, it might be time to just make a rule that if it if it hasn't worked this many times, it's it's not time to like throw in the towel, but it's time to step back and be like, okay, let me think of a new strategy because this one isn't really working. Um, It's not only working in terms of getting you a job you want. It's not working because it's like making you feel totally exhausted. And it, it sounds like also defeated. So I do think that when you move to a new community, I think that when you're connecting with people who do nonprofit work, you know, nonprofit work is very, it can be exhausting. It can be draining. It's emotionally intense and people put a lot of themselves into it. And so when there's like a new person on the scene, I think there is a, um, like a hesitation to like bring them into the fold immediately. And I, I do think it's worth making some connections with people in your community. Um, I don't really know what kind of work you're interested in or what populations you want to work with or what issues or whatever, but I do think that sort of showing your investment to the issue or showing your investment to the community can go a really long way. And I, I don't want to suggest that you spend million hours like volunteering and working without pay because that perpetuates a really... Um, unequal system where only certain people get jobs and so Mm. on. But there might be ways to spend a little bit of time just meeting people, even if you're offering to take someone out for coffee at a nonprofit that you really admire or, you know, showing up at an event or asking if you can work an event or maybe even if it's volunteering like an hour a week. I just I think that getting your foot in the door that way it not only like gives you an in and a connection and like helps people get to know you, but I think it also shows that you might be new to the community, but you're invested and you want to be involved. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just in terms, purely in terms of like strategy around getting into nonprofits, that's the first thing I would probably recommend. What do you think? Absolutely. And you know, I, I, uh, it's so rough because I totally agree with you. Um, It is a problem with a lot of uh, places where, internships, which by the way, in most states legally have to pay you, but um, they get away with not paying because people don't ever challenge that for many reasons. But you cannot live off of that. And the people who do get the internships are people who don't have to worry about rent so much. There are people in the world who, listen, it's not a crime to have your parents pay for college and give you a little money to help you out. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But unfortunately, it means that a lot of the people who really want to can't. And so don't feel bad about that. Um, but I do agree that there's other ways to network and meet people. I I really, the power of networking, I know I'm like rolling my eyes as I say, it, but even last night at the uh, Innovative Theater Awards, I saw a lot of people that I'd met years ago. I saw a playwright that I was in a play of his 10 years ago, 10 years, I don't know, something like that, maybe five. I have no idea about time, but I see these people and I'm like, right, it's all about who you know and working with. It could be a tiny little meeting or maybe you share an event together, but meeting people 
can not be as expensive and as possible to do. You don't have to intern, but just be be face to face with them. Find a way to get some FaceTime. Mm-hmm. That's first off. I do want to address the anxiety and the panic attacks. You say that you hate that you have the issue or you don't like. Sorry, you don't like that I have the issue. Is it your job or is it you? I don't think that matters. Is it your job or is it you? It's the fact that you're having it. It could be a chemical imbalance that you're born with, or it could be just a rough time you're going through. It doesn't matter. The fact is it's there. So yes, you should deal with it because yes, finding out the root of it is helpful. But until then, it's really important to recognize there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that you're reacting to how you're feeling. And it's really, really hard to move forward when you're feeling this way. Um, So on top of how you are feeling, it's, Something is reacting and making you even feel, I think, worse. So mm-hmm. um, go easy on yourself and understand that this is totally, you know, you're, you've, you try going to your doctor. Um, it's complicated. Your insurance. I get that. Um, but don't don't be hard on yourself. You're, you're feeling panicked and anxious. So, you know, try to address it on many levels. Try to do the, you know, networking thing. If you can, go see a doctor. And also recognize that you're not feeling hot right now. So mm-hmm. thank you for writing in because this is great. But I feel that um, you're fine. You're normal. Everything is everything is the way it is. It doesn't mean you have no control over it. But baby steps. It might take a while to mm-hmm. get to where you need to be. But go easy on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think, you know, when you're feeling really anxious or overwhelmed, you can't really control that, but what you can control is whether or not you beat yourself up for it. And I think taking a break from self-punishment is like yeah. huge. Um, I just want to address a couple other things. So you said I graduated in 2014, so I feel like I missed an important window. Um, just to put that in perspective, like 2014 was like, in, in the grand scheme of things, it was five seconds ago, basically. Um, so, you know... If you were like, I graduated in 1954 and I really feel like the world has passed me by, I don't know what computers are. I would be like, mm, yeah, maybe you should think about, you know, getting a job at a, as a longshoreman or someone who doesn't have to use computers. But um, I don't know, like you're, you're kind of in the sweet spot of um, starting your, of like starting a career. Like if you graduated from college around when people like the quote unquote, like typical normative, like age of graduation, which is like 21 or 22, then you're probably like in your early twenties. So I feel like you're, you're, I don't, I don't think there's such a thing as like missing a window. I think you're always in the window if you want to be, and you want to like make something of a particular skill or talent or interest. And also like there are plenty of people in my life who figured out their careers or went to college like way later than this like supposed alleged time you're supposed to do it. Um, me being one of them. Mm. Um, so you didn't miss a window, but the other thing is you can't seem to find out how to get work even remotely related to my field. Um, well you said even remotely related, I was going to ask if you'd thought about like expanding what you define as your field and Mm. see if there are other organizations you can look into that maybe aren't the most obvious. But now that I've reread the sentence, you said even remotely related. So you've probably already done that. Um, So I want to just say like, you're doing all of the really, really hard work of trying to get the job that you want. And that's awesome. And I want to recognize that. And also just like going, like going back to what Catherine said, like, don't punish yourself. Don't like allow the exhaustion to 
defeat you, but just like take a step back, think about what you're doing and think about how to like change your strategy to get more of the results you want. And I don't mean in a like the wish way, like if just like write it on a piece of paper and like put it in a bottle into the ocean and then it'll come back to you or whatever. Like I don't mean that, but (laughs) I just mean like think strategically about the energy and the effort you're putting out and know that like just because it's taking a while to get what you want, it doesn't mean it's going to take another like infinity years like something is going to come together soon totally and i'm just rereading this part as well you're so hard on yourself um marjorie there's a sentence here i fell into that hole while in college since i had to work full-time talking about the uh, retail management fell into what hole because you had to work full-time while in college you know there's people who have to do that you say you weren't able to intern and get more experience yeah that sucks Mm -hmm. it really sucks i I very much dislike the whole thing of like, well, you got to earn your stripes. It's like you can't if you have to pay for college, you got to work a full time job, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and you did. And that's really honorable. And you probably are learning a lot about retail management. So, you know, you say you're not making an inkling of difference in the world. How are you going to make a difference in the world if you can't even pay your rent? So, like, just go easy on yourself that the skills that you're learning in retail management, I'm I'm being dead serious you're going to use them for something else eventually. Mm -hmm. And just because you're working in something where you're like, oh, it's not honorable or better for the world, it's it's how you get by. And eventually you're going to hopefully do something that you find a little bit more rewarding. But for now, no shame in that. Mm -hmm. No shame ever if you have to ever go back to it. Let's say you're 45 and you got to go back into retail management for a little bit to get by or work on another project. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's why these jobs are there. They're, you know, they help people. Yeah, and I think also that you know, you can be a good person in the world who makes a difference no matter what job you're working at, because you can be like a compassionate manager. Mm -hmm. You can be like a mentor to a younger, newer employee. You can be, you know, like, I just, I think there are, there are a lot of things in the world of work that are shitty and unjust and it doesn't matter what context, like what job or what industry. And I think that like being, I, I think about managers I had at like retail jobs who taught me something valuable or who treated me in a certain way and mm. made me feel good or or like valuable or whatever like th- that those are important things and I'm not I'm not saying that to be like no one needs to ever work in social justice or nonprofits because we can just all be really nice to each other it's not that but mm. it's that like I think we put so much more value on certain jobs because we've decided that they influence society for the better and everything else is just what you do till you can find a better job. Mm -hmm. And I just don't, I don't think that's the case. I reject the premise entirely. Um, However, I hear what you're saying. Like you're not interested in retail management. Like you don't want to be doing that. So like, fine, like find another thing, but don't devalue yourself and what you bring to the role, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this is, and and just very quick, going back to the resumes thing, and and yes, it's very easy to get discouraged. It's exhausting. Sending in a resume is much like filing your taxes. You literally look at your entire life Mm -hmm. and what your choices are and what you did and how much time and energy you spent. So I totally get it. But I've said this before. I said it on a podcast, and I remember listening back being like, what wise person said that? It felt like somebody else was saying it to me, and I said it out loud, but it was about acting, and it was... That sometimes you you beat down doors. I used to go to open casting EPAs. They're called like equity principal auditions. The the union, um, not forces, but makes it so that you're allowed to audition for every major Broadway thing. And some casting directors actually consider you, and some don't. But it's just FaceTime, and you go in over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, another door was opening up, and they were like, "Hey, you're really good at improv. You're really good at this." And I was like, "No, but I want to be a legitimate, serious actress." Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? 
keep you beat down the doors. It's exhausting. But sometimes if you walk into another door that opens up for you, which is not the thing you thought you'd, you'd want to do, doesn't mean that it eventually can't lead you the back end mm-hmm. back into that room because it, it can. True. So just because you didn't get in the traditional way, I'm doing air quotes, mm-hmm. uh, on air quotes, but <laughs> you, you'd be surprised. Like, okay, that, if that's not working out for you, maybe stop. It's causing you stress. Think about other ways in which you can get in or help or mm-hmm. volunteer or meet people. It yeah. doesn't have to be resumes and interviews. I agree. That's a really good point. And it, I that I relate to that, too, in terms of my own career. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different routes you can take to get to a place. Yeah. Um, there's something else I want to say, but it's gone. So let's move. Sure. On. Do you need like a second to think about it? Mm-hmm. I don't think it was that important. Right. I think I was going to make a joke about something. <gasps> Oh, I love you. I think it was going to be funny too. Damn it, but it's lost. You're so mm, it's gone. Your your job. You had a moment of flicker where you said, "That's I've done that too." Yeah. Um, okay. But what did you say before that though? Oh, going um, on auditions. G- yeah, going to EPAs and just meeting casting directors who had to be there because the union's like, "All right." And then there's times where I was like, "Well, screw this." It just gave me panic attacks and yeah. anxiety. And then another door was opening. You're, I'm repeating myself. I know. You're really good at improv. And it's not uh, It's not coming to me. Okay, it's well, okay. tune in for the <laughs> Easter egg where I remember what I was going to say. Great. And say it. Yeah, we're okay. keeping this in. All right, cool. so. Marjorie, thank you for writing in. Mm. Email three. Yes. I think it's you reading it, right? Yes. This See? is, yeah, this is from Pacey. Mm. Um, they wrote in before. Yeah, they've written in before. Do I don't you remember? I don't. I think it was a while ago. And I'm curious about who chose the name from Dawson's Creek, if it was me. Was you? Definitely. I wasn't sure if it was the email or, or us, but I'm very pleased that it was us, if I'm that's the case. I'm pretty and sure it's m- me. You, most likely. I love, love Pacey. It. Okay. Cool. Pacey's great. Okay. Hi, Kate and Sally. It's Pacey writing in again. Thank you for all the advice you have given me and others. I do have another question I'm hoping you can help me with. I've been working on the below issue in therapy for several months. Unfortunately, I had to leave my favorite therapist as I moved to a different city and can't commute to her office due to distance and traffic. I have been looking for a new therapist in my new city and found one that didn't work out. I have scheduled to meet a new one in September. My issue is the following. I have very strict Mormon parents and am not myself religious at all. My husband and I recently bought a house and I am wanting to fully embrace who we are as a family and individuals. I find myself hiding certain things before they come over to visit, including alcohol, caffeinated tea, and a couple books related to alcohol, scratch and sniff wine and whiskey books. My two-year-old also has several books that I need to hide, books called Feminist Baby and A is for Activist. I know there is nothing wrong with these items. The kids' books are especially something I shouldn't be hiding. They are teaching my daughter how to be confident and teaching her about issues I didn't learn about until college. But I feel this intense anxiety over my parents feeling at all uncomfortable or ashamed of my house or my life. They basically just ignore the fact that I am no longer Mormon. We don't talk about it at all. I don't want them to be disappointed in me or feel uncomfortable in my home. I also know, however, that they are allowed their own feelings and I can't control them feeling disappointed with who I am. I am not disappointed in myself. I am living my life the way I want, and I am proud of that. I want to embrace who I am, but not flaunt it in front of them. Have wine displayed where I want, but not drink it in front of them, for example. I cannot move past the anxiety, however. The other day, my dad was over, and I did not hide my wine bottles. I left them displayed where I normally have them. I could not stop obsessing over thinking about him seeing them. Mm. I know there is a lot here I need to work through and a lot of underlying issues at play. Hoping you have any advice at all. Thank you, Pacey. Excellent. Thank you, Pacey. This is great. I, I, um, 
I don't know if I'm missing anything, but it sounds to me like your parents are not saying anything about your lifestyle choice and you are being um, sensitive to it and worried they're going to. But if they haven't yet, that's huge. You know, they're probably at home going, oh, you know, maybe we didn't. We saw the wine. Should I have acknowledged it and been like, ah, fine. You know, maybe your parents are also feeling weird about not supporting you or not saying things. But it sounds like they're doing whatever good advice they got or gave themselves, which is don't say anything. It's none of their business. And if you're not, if you're still getting along on every other level, um, it might just be guilt from growing up and feeling bad that you chose not to be a part of that religion. But it sounds like you're doing pretty well. It sounds like they're not saying anything. Now, here's the one thing if you want, and not everyone's into it, but maybe bring it up. Be like, hey, I'm just curious, are you uncomfortable around this? Or I don't want to you know, intentionally upset you, but this may happen. Maybe if you want to bring it up, uh, clear the air as it were. But it sounds like it's all just you right now making it a thing. If they're not making it a thing, doesn't mean it's not valid, but I would explore more why you're, why you're worried. Sally. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, I think for many people, it's like a best case scenario that their parents are just like not bringing up the thing (laughs) that could cause tension. (laughs) But I think also for other people, it's like, it's like not a best case scenario because it's like, let's bring this thing out in the open, you know? So I don't know if you fall in one or the other of those camps or maybe both at certain times or maybe a, a whole other camp that I haven't named. But I do think that like, you know, you come or like, the advice that I would have given you, you basically give yourself (laughs) as you get further down in the email. Like you end up saying like, uh, I know that they're allowed their own feelings and I can't control them. I'm living the life I want, but I can't move past the anxiety. You know, like I, I basically would, would say to you that like, you said, I feel this intense anxiety over my parents feeling at all uncomfortable or ashamed of my house or my life. Mm -hmm. I think like that is the root of the thing as opposed to like what you do with like the wine bottles and the caffeinated tea when they're over, because it sounds like it's not a problem for them. Um, And if it is a problem for them, it's not, it doesn't seem to be affecting how they treat you or interact with you. So it, it sounds like this is less a matter of like coping with how it's affecting them and more of a matter of coping with how it's affecting you. Mm. And, you know, like you said, you know, I know there's a lot to work through and a lot of underlying issues at play. I do think that that's kind of like, I think the underlying issues are kind of the only issues. I mean, if you had written in and said, you know, the problem is that my parents come over and when they see wine bottles, they make passive aggressive comments or they, you know, say mean things to me or they comment on it or my parents won't come over because of the wine bottles. Like, I think our advice would be different. It would be about, you know, solving that problem with your parents. But this isn't this isn't that this is your parents, you know, come over the they don't see anything about the wine bottles, but you still feel incredibly anxious. And I you know, there's nothing wrong with feeling anxious about that. I totally understand, given everything you explained in your background, that there's a lot of anxiety and discomfort around, you know, having strict Mormon parents and not being religious and, you know, living your life in a different way and raising your family in a different way. So the anxiety totally makes sense. But I do think that it's in this particular case, it's not really the underlying issue. It's like the actual issue. Mm-hmm. So um, unfortunately, I don't think there's a way to like deal with this beyond working on that with yourself. I do agree though with Catherine's advice that like, if this is something you want to bring up and talk about them and say, you know, I want to just acknowledge the fact that there might be some discomfort around 
you know, what's in my house when you come over. You you can do that, but I I would definitely think that through and you know, you know your parents better than we do. Like, is that going to be useful? Is it going to be fruitful? Is it going to lead to a helpful discussion? Or are you better off leaving the situation where it is? You know, I think it, I think that's, that's for you to decide. Mm -hmm. But, um, I would definitely like prioritize thinking about those underlying issues. Yeah. And, and, you know, that said, I, I, I'm picturing now how I feel when something is prominently displayed and my mother doesn't mention it. I'm like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Why do you say something? So (laughs) I do get that, that you're making something, but you don't know what's going on in their heads. So uh, yeah, what Sally said, uh, explore why it is that you're feeling like, I mean, maybe you do want to talk about it with them. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're like, I kind of want to talk to you about this thing. Mm -hmm. If you were raised Mormon, that's, you know, you're literally defying what you were raised with Mm -hmm. and they're not talking about it. Yeah. I think um, also like we can live in a world where people don't agree with or approve of all of our choices and they are allowed to have those feelings and we're allowed to have our feelings about the things that we do. And Mm -hmm. that's that like, you know, like that's fine. And you said this in your email, like your parents might have feelings about it and they're allowed to have them. And that's fine. That doesn't mean that doesn't have to mean something for you. But I do think that like a like central experience of being an adult, child is like trying to figure out the extent to which your parents opinions about you actually matter and because like when you're little it's all that matters because they're like totally responsible for you and providing for you and taking care of you um best case scenario but um but then when you get older you have to figure out like you take care of yourself like you don't need them they're like they're like an appendix they were once necessary (laughs) and now they you know you can keep making use of them until they become inflamed and have to be surgically removed from you. Um, you know, so I think you have to figure out like, um, you know, sort of like how much you want to take on about how your parents feel. And, and even like almost like how much of a story you want to make up about how they feel about you. Yeah. In, in a show recently, I wrote a thing that was very personal about a personal thing that I was like, Oh no, what if people see it? And then like everyone, including my mom and sister saw it. And part of me is like, why haven't you asked me about that yet? You know? So I, I understand the desire to be like, I don't want you to know this, but like, I want you to know this, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe you do want them to talk that's about. True. Yeah, that's true too. You know? Yeah. yeah that's thank a good you for point. this. This is a great email. So much appreciated. Thanks for writing in Pacey. I hope that was helpful. Pacey. Excellent. Cool. So, uh, that's it. That's it. I got the song of the week. Do yeah, you want to do? do the uh, the uh, outro? I'd or... love to. Let's do it. So follow us on Twitter at StrugglebusPod. Find us Struggle Buddy with the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420. Email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, which we update every now and again, mm-hmm. at the StrugglebusPod. Follow Catherine at SPK Heller. Follow me at Sally T. And write to strugglebuspodcast at gmail to join our Facebook group and come to our live show October 25th in Brooklyn, New York. Go to our website for information on how to do that. And what's the website? And the website is <laughs> strugglebus. Well, no, wait, that's our email address. Uh, strugglebuspodcast.com. Yeah. 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 Um, dot biz And <laughs> <laughs> Catherine. You yes. have the song of the week. We have the song of the week. So I don't oh, know yeah, how it do. came up. How did it come up? Oh, man. I don't know. Deborah Gibson, as she now wants to be called. Is that right? Yes. Oh, my God. She's all, she's all grown up. She's on Dancing with the Stars and shit. <gasps> mm-hmm. Deborah Gibson. She asked to be called Deborah, but back in the day, and I don't know why she would ask this, Debbie Gibson. Debbie Gibson. Who is, um, I remember, you know, she she wrote her own songs. She's a 
a wunderkind, mm-hmm. a, a child prodigy, mm-hmm. as it were, at age 15, 16, I think, writing your own music from Brooklyn, apparently, by oh, the way. Shit. I did do a little wikis. But um, Lost in Your Eyes mm. is a great song. Great song. I love it so much that I actually recorded myself sing- lip syncing it to you, realizing half of the lyrics I forgot. I'm trying to cover it up. Great song. I just want to point out that by lip syncing, you don't mean sitting at your desk mouthing the words. There was some action. Action. Yeah. There was movement. There was choreography. It was amazing. I started watching it actually in a meeting and became disruptive and inappropriate and had to stop for a second and gather myself. It's so good. I planned on only recording like three lines of it because we were like texting back and forth and I was like, oh, let's do this. And then I couldn't <laughs> stop singing. Uh, and then at part where she's like, ah, I just fell. And I was like, I have to fall now. You fell. I fell. There was there was falling. It was so good, you guys. So this is a great song, but also as looking, oh, as I was looking this up, Foolish Beat. Remember all that? Foolish Beat. Jesus Christ, she's great. I remember, Deborah. raise your hand if you remember going to a roller skating <laughs> A roller skating rink for a birthday party and roller skating to Debbie Gibson. I, I raised my hand so high my headphones. The headphones fell off. just flew off. But um, no, I never did that. But I still I, I acknowledge that. Okay, that was a thing. Did you? Are there roller rinks in New York? What, was that? We a didn't thing? really do it. Okay. Yeah. New York kids are so much cooler than a roller rink. Yeah. Like we you, were smoking cigarettes. You guys and were drinking coffee. Yeah. You were like riding the train alone. At Urban Outfitters. Yeah. No. Totally. Um, okay. Well, anyway, you guys, thank you for listening. Yes. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. show again unclear yeah who can say (laughs) only god knows Mm -hmm. so true (laughs) oh um song of the week you know what it is do i i sure do Uh, i can't find myself because of your (laughs) cornea i um hey i'm pretty excited about that thread the other day of people talking about the first concert they went to and someone's first concert was debbie gibson amazing was it in new jersey at a mall um, oh my God, was probably. <laughs> oh my God, Tiffany. It was, yeah. Holy shit. She was pretty good too. Okay, well, we're recording, so let's start. Why not? I think we're alone now. No. Is that Tiffany? I think so. Nice. Anyone around? That's me harmonizing. Okay. <clears throat>